revealed to them just how much you love them. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. He loves us. He loves us. There's always time when Jesus is around because he loves us. Time is something we worry about. Do we have enough? Can we get more? That's why the most exciting play in all of basketball is the, is the buzzer beater. The score's close. There's always hope as long as there's time on the clock. You think about it. You walk past the TV screen and there's a basketball game on and the score's within three points and there's five seconds left. You're going to stop and you're going to watch. It doesn't matter where you are. You're on your way through the ICU to see your wife who's been in a wreck and there's five seconds left. You're going to wait. You're going to see what's going to happen at the end of that game. It's not that you don't love her. You just can't get away from it. It's like it reaches out and grabs you because you want to know, can he actually pull it off? But how about this? What about the blowout game if the score is lopsided? Forget about walking to the ICU. You're walking to the water fountain. And the number one and the number two team in a country is playing. And you look up there on the screen and you see 100 to 72. And there's three seconds left. You know what you're doing? You're walking right on past. You don't even care. We want to know if the victory can happen. We don't know if they can pull it out as long as there's hope. But see, with Jesus, is a bit different. No matter how bleak the outcome may seem, as long as there is a God, there is hope. In South Carolina, our state motto is, while I breathe, I hope. While I breathe, I hope. But this morning, we're going to see that with Jesus, even when breath has left, there is still hope. With Jesus, when the need is highest, the hope is nighest, Jesus never runs out. When the rest of the world leaves, Jesus shows up. Stand with me in honor of God's word this morning. We're going to be in Mark chapter 5, beginning in verse 35. Y'all hang on. I've been excited about this sermon for two weeks. Y'all help me. All right. God's word says this. While he was still speaking, that is Jesus, there came... Let's back up. Remember where we were two weeks ago. See, I'm still stuck in Paul's from two weeks ago. Y'all had to endure Adam last week. I mean, y'all had the privilege. Y'all had an interlude with the book of Daniel. Side note, God has blessed us with a great staff, and I'm grateful for them. I've I've been out of the office for two weeks, and y'all didn't even know. Um, Mark chapter 5, we looked two weeks ago at Jesus healing a woman with an issue of blood. But if you'll remember, Jesus was on his way to do something else. He was on his way to take care of Jairus' daughter. And on the way, he's interrupted by a woman with a need. Now, Jesus didn't see her as an interruption. He saw her as an opportunity. And we remember that Jesus looked at this woman, and he made her a daughter, a child of the king, right there on the spot. So as he has finished, so what did he, while he was still speaking, what was he saying? Jesus has looked and said, daughter. Remember, he changed this woman's past and future in one word, daughter. Your faith has made you well. Go in peace. While he was still speaking, so while Jesus still talking, Someone came from the ruler, that's Jairus's, from the ruler's house, there came some who said, your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? But overhearing what they said, Jesus said to the ruler of the synagogue, do not fear, only believe. And he allowed no one to follow him except Peter and James and John, the brother of James. 
And they came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue, and Jesus saw a commotion, people weeping and wailing loudly. And when he had entered, he said to them, Why are you making a commotion and weeping? The child is not dead, but is sleeping. You get kind of a rhyme in English. And they laughed at him. But he put them all outside, and he took the child's father and mother, and those who were with him, six people walk into the room, and in where the child was, taking her by the hand, he said to her, Talitha, Talitha Kumi, which means little girl, I say to you, arise. And immediately, the girl got up and began walking. She's 12 years of age. And they were immediately overcome with amazement. And he strictly charged them that no one should know this and told them to give her something to eat. Let's pray. Lord God, overwhelm our unbelief. Give us hope and a future. Father, if there be one today among us who is dead as this child in their sins and trespasses, may today be the day when they cross from death to life. Lord God, for those who have shown up today wondering if there is any hope, Lord, may we be reminded that in Jesus there is always hope. He's the God of all circumstances. Meet with us here in the power of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. With Jesus, all things are possible. Jesus told his disciples as much. It would be easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a man to enter the kingdom of God. How in the world will they get in then, they said. Jesus said, with man it's impossible. With God all things are possible. Do you understand what Jesus said? Jesus said God could make a big old stinky camel fit through the eye of a needle. He could do that if he wanted. You think you're something because you put a ship in a bottle? God can put a camel through the eye of a needle. He's that powerful. He's that good. And so when Jesus shows up, there's always hope. Now, when we read the Bible, we, if we are not careful, have a tendency to make the Bible into something akin to a Disney movie. Okay? And what, what I mean by that is we, we, we soften the edges and we G-rate everything. Okay? So we, we paint the picture of Noah's Ark on the walls of children's classrooms. Millions of dead bodies get overlooked and we paint birds flying across. Folks, when we get to Mark chapter 5, verse 35, I want us to understand... This is real life. This is as bad as it gets. There is a dead child. A boat capsized in Missouri this week and nine members from the same family died. Nine out of 11 family members on one vessel died. Folks, this is real life. I've walked into the homes of parents who have just lost their children. Folks, this weeping and wailing, this is not poetic words. You can hear them from the street. 
I've walked into rooms with family members holding dead children, lifeless bodies. It is the most heart-wrenching experience in all of my life. I stood to do a funeral for a small child, an infant. The funeral director came and said, Craig, are you okay? I said, how can I be okay? In that room, there is a lifeless child. We can gloss through this and go weeping and wailing, and we miss that there was a mother somewhere throwing herself upon the body of her 12-year-old daughter and saying, why? Why? This is the scene that Jesus shows up to. This isn't sleeping beauty. This is a dead child, 12 years old. Imagine our sixth graders laying prostrate, not waking up. And Jesus shows up onto the scene. Folks, what do we do when there seems to be no hope? Where do we go? Where do we turn? You see, none of you came in here today having had to process a dying child this week. But many of you came in here with something. Some of you know the experience of that in your past. There are some of you that sit in this room today that know what it's like to lose a child. Where do we turn when there's no hope? What do we do? Well, it's the first thing we've got to do when it seems as though there is no hope is we've got to put our fingers in our ears and ignore the voices around us. We have to ignore the crowd. Do you hear me? We have to ignore the crowd. Side note, when, when bad things happen in your life, it's okay for you to ignore the crowd. Where's the, the dumbest place in the world? Where is it? I can tell you where it is. The dumbest place. Like people get dumb in one place. Dumber there than anywhere else on the planet. It's in, it's in the funeral line. Did you say that behind me? What, hush, you're not talking good things. It's in the funeral line. People are walking through that line at the mortuary, Right? Or perhaps they're coming. Sometimes people now receive friends after the service and they stand right here. And some of y'all have been guilty of, of, of suddenly dropping your IQ by 78 points when you get into that line. Because you get in front of a grieving person and you feel like you need to say something. And the thing that you say is not smart or wise at all. The thing that you've said is... There's a greater purpose for this somewhere. Let me tell you something. Everybody's screaming and wailing because this little girl's just died. Fortunately, her mama has not been in this long enough for somebody to walk into that room and go, God just wanted to pluck his best flower and put him in his garden so she'll be okay. Let me just give you permission. When people say those dumb things to you, you can slap them. All right, now this is why. Let me explain. This is why. Because you can blame it on grief. Like you can just pretend like you, I didn't even know what happened. It was involuntary. Y'all check me on that, it might be unbiblical, but nevertheless. <laughs> Folks, we got to ignore the crowd. Because the crowd, side note, so what does that mean you do? How do you raise your IQ by 30 points when you get into a receiving line? Or when you're sitting with a grieving family member? Let me, let me help you do this. You do this. 
you shut your mouth. You know what they don't need from you? Theology. You know what they don't need from you? Anything at all. You know what they do need from you? A shoulder to cry on. We take Paul's words in Romans and we apply them. We weep with those who weep. We mourn with those who mourn. And we rejoice with those who rejoice. When I sit at the bedside of those grieving parents, I don't give them a theological treatise. Every once in a while they look at me and they ask a hard question and we give a hard answer when they ask me a hard question. But you know what I do otherwise? I hug them. I love them. I cry with them. And heaven knows I dread the moment I have to stand behind a microphone and deliver a eulogy. But anyway, ignore the crowd. Before they can arrive, the news comes to Jairus. It's too late. She's dead. Now remember, Jesus has been away. Jesus has been dealing with the Gadarene demoniac. For all we know, this little girl's been sick for two, three, four days. Okay, because Jesus goes and handles the Gadarene. He kills all the pigs. He, he, he re rescues this man. He spends a little bit of time there. He's there long enough for the people to get tired of him and run him out of town. For all we know, Jairus has been going back and forth to the port every single day. Maybe multiple times a day. Maybe he's just set up camp because they said, Jesus is over there. And he says, I'm going to sit right here because when he steps foot on this shore, I'm going to be the first face he sees because he is my only hope. Days go by. Finally, they see a ship. He says, maybe that's him. He gets there. Jairus steps up. Jesus steps up. Jairus says, I need you now. Jesus knows who this guy is. This is an important man in the community. Jesus has been teaching. They've been rubbing shoulders. He says, Jesus, I need you. I need you now. They start off. Jesus stops. Whoa, whoa, who touched me? And this guy's like, come on. Come on, we're on the clock. Don't you understand? We're running out of time. What he didn't know that Jesus knew is there's always time with Jesus. There's always time with Jesus because Jesus is always right on time. The crowd is saying, go. The disciples are saying, who touched you? Forget it. Go. Jesus says, I got to tend to this right now. On the way to take care of that daughter, I'm going to make another one. The crowd shows up. You notice they don't speak to Jesus. Folks, listen to me. When life gets crazy, don't expect people to come and go before Jesus. You, Jesus, leave him alone. He'll be fine. Expect them to instead come to you and try and convince you that Jesus can't fix this. Expect it. Be prepared. It's too late, the doctor said. There's no hope, his mama said. She's hopeless. There's no way she could ever change. They came to Jairus and they tempted him not to bother Jesus because it was just entirely too late. They spoke to him, but listen, there was a competing conversation. The crowd spoke in one ear, but Jesus spoke in the other. And look at Jesus' words. Do not fear, only believe. We're going to come back to that in a minute. But there are always competing voices. Folks, you've got to ignore the crowd. You've got to stick your fingers in your ears and scream and run and do whatever it takes to make sure you keep your eyes on the prize that is Jesus Christ. Who is the crowd? Now, this is a mixed multitude. There are family members there, there around this little girl. There are probably professional mourners who were brought in to chant the funeral song. Now, y'all go, professional mourner. That seems crazy. Listen, it's, that's going to be sort of like bringing the pastor in, okay? These are the people that know how to handle a funeral. That's, that's what's going on. There are funeral songs that need to be sung, that need to be chanted. It's part of their religious tradition. The people don't all have them memorized. It'd be like coming to one of y'all and saying, I need you to go preach a funeral for me tomorrow. And you're like, whoa, 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 I don't know. 
This isn't in my wheel. They, they got people that do these things, okay, to help the family. So you probably got the professional mourners that have begun to show up. This is a well-known man in the community, okay? People are thronging into this house. They're weeping. They are mourning. Don't forget it. The child is dead. Get past what modern man would tell you. These people just didn't understand death and the child was just asleep. Get up, people. Listen to me. This is a community. This is a time in which people are intimately acquainted with death. Like, we don't see death. Do, do you realize that? My, my wife works in hospice. I'm a pastor. I see death more than most of y'all. Y'all don't see death. Some of your children are 10, 12, 14 years old and have never attended a funeral. Understand, people used to die at home. People used to die more regularly. Okay? At earlier ages, people always die. I mean, it's not like they quit dying, but at, at younger ages. I know some of you smart Alex, were sitting there going, what, did they quit dying? No, no, just work with me. But it's true. These people are acquainted with death because they didn't ship somebody off to a hospital to die. They sat at their bedside while they passed. They didn't get locked away in a nursing home to die. They sat with them while they passed. There wasn't a hospice house that could give them care 24-7. There wasn't a nurse to come in and provide all. Hey, they were right there. These people understood death, okay? The child was dead. The child was no longer breathing. When they show up, the competition, competition continues. Now watch. We like to think that if I can win the battle one time, then it's over. Right? So Jairus' first challenge, don't bother Jesus. Jesus says, hey, hey, I'm right here. <laughs> don't talk over me, talk to me. Many of you know uh, Luke and Patty Talbert who have left us and gone on to be missionaries in Latvia. And uh, one of his frustrations lately, um, Patty, his wife, is, is doing a little better in language than he is. She, that's one of her gifts, language. Uh, they're both on track, but she's just advanced. Um, and so what's happened is, so especially some of the women in their community talk over him now. They just talk right past him like he's not even in the room and speak to Patty in their native language and tell her to tell him something. And he's sitting there going, I, I understand you. I'm right here. Listen, Jesus is standing there and they're going, don't bother him. She's dead anyway. Jesus says, I'm, I'm right here. Who are you going to listen to? So Jairus overcomes it the first time. But then when he gets home... All of this crowd is there. Suddenly, Jesus' attention is turned away from Jairus and turned toward the crowd. They're all weeping. They're mourning. Jesus says, what in the world's going on? Why are you making such a commotion and weeping? Jesus says, there ought to be celebration in this house because something big is fixing to go down right now. The child is not dead but sleeping. What do they do? They mock Jesus. They laugh. See, all of a sudden, Jairus' first challenge was just to trust Jesus when he was away from home. But when he gets home and the people that know him best and know him closest, the people who are all gathered, the crowd is there. And the crowd says, you're going to trust that? And suddenly Jairus is challenged again as to whether or not he's going to listen to Jesus or he's going to follow the advice of the crowd. You understand? There's a challenge that came at the door of the house. At that point, Jairus could have stepped in and said, no, 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 they're right. She's dead, Jesus. We're not going to carry on this charade. Go home. But instead, Jairus decided he would continue to ignore the crowd and trust what Jesus had to say. 
You see, there's something in this story that the crowd didn't know. They thought that it was too late, but what they didn't know was that Jesus, there's always time. They may have thought, look, Jesus took so long and now there's no hope. But Jesus was right on time. He was right on time, and folks, he always is. Some of you today are going, I've waited and waited and waited. Where is he? Can I tell you that Jesus is right on time in your life? He has you here today, right here, on purpose, on his clock, because that's his plan. Number two, not only do we need to ignore the crowd, number two, do not fear, only believe. When the people spoke to Jairus, Jesus also spoke. Listen, there will always be competing voices. The question for you is, which voice will you listen to? I love that Casting Crown song that says, but the voice of truth tells me a different story. The voice of truth says, do not be afraid. The voice of truth says, this is for my glory. Out of all the voices calling out to me, I will choose to listen and believe the voice of truth. Jairus was afraid. He had reason to be afraid. But he had a greater reason to believe. Folks, you have a greater reason to believe. Jesus is the greater reason. And just like Jairus, you can believe in the presence of Christ, in the promise of Christ, in the pity of Christ, and in the power of Christ. Do you know that? Do you know that just like Jesus walked step by step with Jairus, we have the promise from God's Word that Christ will never leave us nor forsake us. As a child of the King, God has given me His Holy Spirit who takes up residence within me. God is present among us. And He loves you. Do not fear, but believe. Perfect love casts out fear. Listen to me, living the Christian life is not a practice in intentional ignorance. We do not live with joy and hope because we are ignorant to the pain and heartache of the world around us. We live with hope because we know the pain taker and we know the chain breaker. We've read the end of the book and we know that he is not only the storm tamer, he shakes the grave and brings the dead back to life. He is the God who has overcome all things. And in Christ, He's given us every gift in the heavenlies. We have Jesus and that is enough. Do you know that you too can come from death to life? John 5, 24 says, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. The Bible says that when Jesus walked into the room with this little girl, she was dead. She was dead. Now you say, well, Jesus said she was only sleeping. Listen, the Bible uses the word sleeping regularly in the New Testament to refer to those who have, who are, who have died. Paul writes to the Thessalonians, says, for those of you who are concerned about those who have fallen asleep, he's not talking about those in the upstairs bedroom. He's talking about those who are buried and dead. This little girl has fallen asleep, but Jesus wants them to understand that death does not have the final say. He is the God of the living, and He is the God who can overcome the grave. The Bible teaches us in Ephesians chapter 2 that we're all dead in our trespasses and sins, but... God, who is rich in grace and love and mercy, has given us the opportunity to be saved in Christ Jesus. Some of you have walked in here today dead in your sins and trespasses, separated from a God who loves you. But it is God's desire through Jesus Christ that you be rescued from your sin and your shame and that your feet be set on the solid rock that is Jesus Christ. You be brought from death to life, that your eternal life begin right now.
Oh, only if some of you would not fear but believe. You need not fear what the future holds because you can know who holds the future. You don't have to be afraid of dying. You can look forward to closing your eyes in this world and opening them in the next because the Bible teaches us that to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. What a privilege we have. Jesus walked into that room and he reached down his hand and he said, little girl, get up. Little girl, get up. Do you understand the difference between a request and a command? Do you? You see, when I walk into my kid's bedroom, sometimes I'm sweet, like on Saturdays, and I'll say, all right, babies, let's go. It's time to wake up. That's a nice thing. Other times, when Angela's at home on Sunday mornings and I'm not there, I doubt it goes exactly like that. It's probably more like the fire hose treatment. You know, you throw the light on, you turn the air down to 27, and you just start just putting it on them. Get out of the bed! Get up! Jesus walked in, he reached down, he grabbed that little girl. Now he was kind, don't miss that, loving, tender. But the one little girl didn't have a choice right here, okay? She didn't get to say, no, nah, I think I'll just stay dead. Listen, when Jesus says, get up, you get up. And I'm here to tell you today that there's some of you who need to listen to me. You don't really have a choice in this matter. Because to not choose is to choose death. Would you get up today? Would you come to Jesus? Would you be saved? I mean like really saved. Like scales come off your eyes. You see the glory and the beauty of the cross. You see the ugliness of your own sin. Man, you hear the words of a God who fights for us. Admit that you're a sinner, but you do not fear any longer. Instead, you believe in a Savior who sets it all right. Would you come today? Lastly, this morning, get busy living. Jesus raised the girl and told them to feed her. And you say, ah, big deal. It is a pretty big deal because Jesus is concerned with the big things and the small things in life. I want you to think about this. This is like the doctor that cured cancer. And walks out and says, I have cured cancer. Now, somebody give this kid a peanut butter sandwich. Really? That's what you got? Jesus, you just raised a girl from the dead? That's right. Jesus is concerned with the big things in your life, and he's concerned with the small things in your life. He knows all of it, and it all matters. Because he is a God who is big and small all at the same time. This is the same one who sat down and said, don't keep the children from coming to me. Let them come. I want to love on these kids. I want them to know me. What do you do after an encounter with Jesus, though? You get busy living. You get busy living. He didn't say, y'all keep her up on the spiritual mountaintop. She's going to live here. Don't let anybody talk to her. We're going to idolize this little girl. I raised her from the dead. She's going to live the rest of her life. In a glass case. From now on, people are going to come and they're going to look and say, there she is. She's the one Jesus raised from the dead. No, 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 Jesus says, y'all feed her. Let her get back to life. She was born to live and she was born again to live even more. Even more joyfully. What do you do after an encounter with Jesus? You get on with life. 
You see, you were born to live this life. But when God saves you, you're born again to live this life to the fullest. Because Jesus came not to kill and steal and destroy, but to give us life. He give it to us abundantly. He comes to give it all to us. All joy, all love, all passion, all excitement. He comes to give it to us. Then it's a free gift. We don't earn it. We're laying there dead in the bed. Jesus walks in and says, get up and eat. Folks, when's the last time that you ate at the hand of Jesus? When's the last time you ate at the hand of Jesus? That Jesus says, get up. And Jesus says, go, eat. What did the apostle John do when the angel said, take and eat? He took the word of God and he devoured it. When's the last time you devoured the word of God? That you were, that you were strengthened by God's word to go on living life. Oh, man. What a God we serve who can take a moment of mourning and turn it into a lifetime of unspeakable joy. Although the sorrows may last for the night, joy comes with the morning. So don't wait. Jesus doesn't change us to hide us. He doesn't change us to put us up there somewhere. Are you one of those people that have one of those ridiculously amazing testimonies? You were strung out on crack, lived homeless for the next 30 years, and God saved you? Like, there are those testimonies that are like that. You know? There are testimonies of people who have completely destroyed their lives. And God picks them up and He puts the pieces back together. You know what He doesn't do, though? He doesn't take those people and set them up on a shelf and say, Y'all come look. Y'all come look. He comes to those people, puts them back together. He says, now go get a sandwich and get back to work. Because you're going to be a living testimony of my grace. You're not going to be put in a museum. No, you're a tool to be used. You're an implement to be activated. So get busy living. What do we do? What does it mean to believe that Jesus can? How do we get there? Ignore the crowd. Do not fear, but believe. And get busy living. If the only Jesus thing you do is in here and in your personal quiet time, you're missing it. If you're not the happiest person you know, then hopefully the happiest person you know is like the person sitting beside you. Or your pastor, it's not me, or somebody else around you. If you're not filled with joy, the world should look at you and go, Whoa! What is wrong with you? Do you not see that the world is falling apart? And you say, I see the world falling apart all around me. But I met this guy. He reached down to me in the depths of my sin. He said, little girl, little boy, man, woman, get up! And he gave me a sandwich. He fed me the word. And he sent me out to tell you like the blind man they challenged him was it jesus who did is he who he claims do you follow him man says i don't know who he is i know this i was blind but now i see little girl do you claim that he is the christ mom do you claim that he Jairus? you're the ruler of the synagogue are you gonna blaspheme this way hey brother 
I know one thing. I know my little girl was dead. And now she's eating a sandwich. You can call it what you will. But what I'm going to tell you is that God has changed our life. So what do we do with that? Where do we go? Recently the world held its breath as we waited to know the fate of a soccer team trapped in a cave. Y'all, I kept checking, just updating over and over my, my internet feed. I can only imagine the joy on the ground when it was discovered that they were alive. What must that have been like? See, I mentioned earlier I've been in the home of mourning parents. I, I've heard them wail and weep. I felt the waves of helplessness wash over me. Knowing that there was nothing that my hands could do. But I've also been in a home when death was overcome. See, I've been there when the phone call came that simply said, she's alive. And I can tell you, there is no feeling to match that in all the world. And for those of you that are listening this morning, there is time. There is time. Dead though you may be in your sins, there is time. The touch of Christ is enough. It's enough. Do you know that? He didn't need holy water. He didn't need somebody to chant. You know, he didn't need a prayer shawl. He didn't have to light a candle. Jesus walked in and said, child, get up. She got up. You know why? Because the touch of Jesus and the word of Jesus is enough. And the word of Jesus is enough to save you today. The word of Jesus is enough to heal you today. It's enough. Alone in my sorrows and dead in my sin, right? Until what? Jesus came in. That's where the little girl was. Dead in her bed. There wasn't a whole lot of fanfare. Jesus didn't gather the world around and say, y'all watch what I'm about to do. Y'all come in, everybody. Jesus looked at them and said, y'all go on. You don't have to see to believe. He brought his disciples in. He brought mom and dad in. They gathered around the bed. Maybe they held hands. Maybe they cried tears. Jesus reached down and he grabbed her by the hand. Little girl. Little girl. Get up. Imagine this. When she opened her eyes, she beheld the Savior of the world. And she sat up. She breathed new air. She walked. And her mama held her. And her daddy rejoiced. And just to make sure that they weren't seeing things, Jesus said, y'all give her something to eat. I want you to know it's real. It can be real for you today. Will you come today and be saved? Will you come today? Not, let, not tomorrow. Not next week. Don't put it off. Will you come today and be saved? Will you come today and say, you know what? I was saved ten years ago, but I ain't lived for Jesus. Lord God, change me today. Would you come rededicate your life today?
Would you come today and lay your burdens right here? He's enough to pick them up and carry them. He bore the cross for you and me. And he'll take your pain and your shame. He'll change you. We're going to stand and we're going to sing one of my favorite songs. And we're going to belt it at the top of our lungs. And as we sing this morning, would you respond to Jesus? Would you come as he directs? Y'all stand. I'm going to pray. Father in heaven, I pray, Lord God, that you would work, that you would change us, Lord God. Lord, I pray that you would be powerful, that you would arrest death in this place. That mercy would come in. We'd celebrate anew in Christ's name. Amen.